Bibles, if you would please, tonight to Philippians, yeah, Philippians chapter 1. Thanks for coming tonight, everyone. It's a great thing for a shepherd to have sheep to be around. And I've been praying for you today. You're welcome. Been praying for me? Don't answer, that's okay. Hallelujah. Don't want to put anybody on the hook. Hallelujah. Let's bow our head. Father, we come before you tonight, and in an excited and yet sobering way, we approach again the instruction that you gave us recently in a time of prayer as a church, in which you spoke up by your Spirit and said, bring prayer to the forefront. That there must be more prayer, more people, more times, more opportunities, more people moving over into places of prayer, specifically for your plan for us here as a church. And so, Father, as I have prayed to you in private, I pray in their hearing today that, God, that you will find uh, open hearts tonight, uh, minds that are attentive, and impart revelation. Uh, God, cause me to say things uh, that you would want me to say that I hadn't typed in any note. Glory to God, cause me to speak with the tongue of the learned. A, a word in due season to all of us. And Spirit of God, we are welcoming you to stir within us a fresh and new passion for the life of prayer and the fruit we can bring in prayer and the lives we can save in prayer, the glory we can bring to you in prayer, and the sweet, sweet times of fellowship we can have with you in prayer. I thank you for all of this tonight in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. So we've been using Philippians chapter 1, verse 10. If you're visiting with us, uh, God, as I've said, has just spoken to our church specifically about uh, the necessity to get more of us in the congregation praying. So if you're part of a different congregation, that would be true probably in your church, right? Your, your church, whatever, uh, you know, family, household of faith that God has assigned you to would benefit from a greater, more skillful supply uh, in prayer. Do you believe that? And so you'll get something out of this tonight. But it's, you know, for us, it's a serious thing. Everyone that has gone through new members class or uh, has made a covenant commitment to us in prayer, and God said, I'm your pastor, and you, you agreed, and we agreed to take that on, uh, well, we're all in this together. Amen. I want to get where God has for us to go. I think it was back in 2003, I was in my office at Jackson Street, when the Lord spoke to me, down on my knees in that office, praying, He said, I want you to relocate your ministry and get in position for a last day move of my spirit. And so that's, that's why we did it, that's why we're doing it, and that's why we're here. It'd be a shame to do it, build it, be in the right location and not have the move of the Spirit. And to have a, a wonderful move of the Spirit, it's going to take more than us having the right mailing address. And sitting in a nice building. Amen. There's the spiritual side. Amen. Glory to God. And uh, so we want to say some things to us tonight that will stir us along the line uh, of inspiring us. In fact, if you have a copy of that, I, I typed it out. God said specifically to me in that moment of tongue and interpretation... He said, Pastor Chris, get it into your people. <laughs> you know, that they need to pray more. Yeah. I'm like, oh, help me. How am I supposed to do that? Open up your, you know, and stick it in there. I wish I could. Right. Uh, but praise God. But uh, through the preaching, teaching of the Word, and the ministry of the Spirit, I believe we'll get it done. Amen. And so, praise God. In Philippians chapter 1, verse 10, again, I'll read it to you in the Amplified. Paul is actually praying for this Christian group in Philippi. And he says, uh, he's uh, picking up the prayer uh, midstream. He says, so that you may surely learn to sense what is vital. You know, if Paul is praying for Christians to learn to sense what's vital, then obviously just being born again and an active part of the church doesn't mean that Christians have learned to sense, to understand, to distinguish what's really vital. Otherwise, Paul wouldn't be, you know, by the Spirit praying this. We need to learn to sense what's vital. Amen? Now, EMTs, nurses, doctors, you know, even for routine physical checkups. First thing I do when I go in every year, they're going to get me on the scale. They're going to take my blood pressure. 
right? They're going to listen to my lungs. Are we breathing? Is his heart beating? I mean, they're going to check your vitals. Why? You know, because if you don't have breath and your heart is not beating, it doesn't really matter that you've got a pain in your elbow. <laughs> right? Amen. How many of you are glad those people are trained? You know, if you got it, you come up on a trauma scene and you got a little cut over here, but you got a squirter of an artery over here, you don't do the band-aid over here first. Get a tourniquet on that thing. I'm gonna bleed out here. Aren't you glad they've been trained? They have learned to know medically what's vital. Christian, we must understand the church is not going to be the church. We're not going to be able to accomplish not just this church, the body of Christ. Until we, you know, revive the art of prayer, we become passionate once again about seeking the face of God. Until we begin to learn again, or for the first time in this generation, that there are adventures to be had in the Spirit. That as co-laborers together with God, we can, we can uh, change the course of nations. We can see populations who are living under oppressive governments. Amen. Those regimes pulled down. Amen. You know, I've, I've done some, some history in uh, the spiritual side of what happened that contributed to the fall of the Soviet Union. And, uh, you know, what they called the Iron Curtain coming down. And the Berlin Wall subsequently after that, uh, you know, being taken down. And, and the gospel's been able to go into to a better degree now. I know they're kind of heading back up, you know, under Putin, a bad direction. Uh, praise God. But, you know, Dr. Dufresne and m- many ministers, in fact, I, I'm on the list. If Pastor Nancy goes back to St. Petersburg, I'm going to be on that airplane in Jesus' name. And uh, because Dr. Dufresne prophesied that, uh, that iron curtain would fall again before the Lord came, that the door would close again in Russia to the gospel. And I want to get in there before that happens. But anyway, in studying that, we found out that one of the things that happened was Brother Hagen, we have it in the bookstore, Brother Hagen's book called The Believer's Authority got translated into Russian and got in to believers behind the iron curtain. And it took about a year and a half. And I'm thinking about 1,200 believers, they earnestly began, because they got that revelation from the Word, that we have authority in prayer over the devil. Right? That we can change things. And so they began to pray underground. Amen. And that's what, that's what, that was the catalyst that initiated the, the fall of the Iron Curtain. You know, right here in little old Paducah, Back over at Jackson Street, uh, we uh, we've just had Sunday Wednesday church all the all the time that I've been here, and uh, we used to do a pre-service prayer time on Wednesday night, like we do on Sunday morning back then, and so uh, we uh, we no, I think this was a Sunday. This must have been a Sunday. Maybe I know Marilyn was there, Mom was there, some others might have been there. But anyway, anyway, we were praying in a small group, and uh, we I got to just praying in the spirit, praying in other tongues. And all of a sudden, I mean, something weird come out of my mouth in English. I kept saying Seahawk, Seahawk. And then I'd go back to praying in other tongues. I thought, man, that's strange. I'm praying for the football team to see it. No, I, I didn't know what I was. But out, out of my mouth came Seahawk, Seahawk. And then we just prayed in the Spirit for a certain amount of time. That was it. I didn't have it. That was just it. Well, see, we came back the Wednesday night uh, for church again. I hadn't seen anything, but someone, I don't remember who it was, came rushing in, said, Pastor Chris, did you see the news today? I said, no, I've been praying, studying for church. I, I hadn't seen the news today. You know, we had troops over in Iraq at that time. And they said, uh, on the news today, they had one of those uh, troop-carrying helicopters, one of those helos with over 20 U.S. Marines on it, went down in the sands of Iraq, and they all walked away, no loss of life, and the helicopter the pilot had named that helicopter Seahawk. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise God. Now, I'm, we're not saying that we're the only prayer group that God used, but He... Right? I tell you, you, you hear two or three of these stories, you go, oh, come on, let's pray. It had to mean something. I've never met those guys. 
Maybe they'll salute us when we get to heaven. Thanks a lot. But I'm their mamas and their daddies and their wives and everybody else. Come on. We can affect... What I'm trying to say is prayer is vital. For your Christian health. A healthy Christian prays. An unhealthy Christian life is a prayerless or a neglectful Christian life when it comes to prayer. Amen. And so Paul goes on and says, I'm praying that you'll surely learn to sense what's vital and to approve and to prize what is excellent and of real value. You know, not being hard, but you know, if, if you want to learn right now today, take your temperature, what do you judge as vital? What do you prize? What else did he say? What do you approve and prize as excellent and of real value? Well, just track your movements for the last month. Track your calendar. Right. Where have you been? Where's all your time going? Yeah. Amen. Where's your money going? If you don't see a, a consistent, you know, passionate prayer time in there, then you just say, well, this is an area I need to come up in and do something about. Amen. Glory to God. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 for a moment. Everybody okay? 1 Corinthians chapter 12. <clears throat> And uh, find uh, verse number 18, 1 Corinthians 12, 18. We'll read a few verses here. But now hath God set the members, how many of them? Each one, every one. Every one of them in the body, as it is pleased Him. And if they were all one member, where were the body? In other words, where would the body be? What kind of condition? Would the body be if everyone in the church was the same? We'd all be fighting over this microphone right now, right? A church full of praise and worship leaders. We have nobody to lead in praise and worship. You know, we're all up on the platform. Where would the body be? We'd be in a mess, wouldn't we? Amen. But now are they many members, yet they are one body, but one body. And now notice this, the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Nay, much more those members of the body which seem to be feeble are necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, upon these we bestow more abundant honor. And our uncomely parts have more abundant comeliness. For our comely parts have no need. But God has tempered the body together, having given more abundant honor to the part that lacked. Now notice verse 25. Don't get lost in that language. I have a, I have a more specific point. Verse 25. That there should be no schism or division, separation in the body. But that the members... Okay, I'm getting to something. The members should have the same care one for another. And one more verse. And whether one member suffer, all the members suffer with it. Or one member be honored, if there's a victory, all the members rejoice with it. Amen. So, specifically, just the phrases I want to bring out here and relate it to our prayer life, is that no matter what you are in the body of Christ, and again, the body of Christ is vast, that we have members of the body of Christ in heaven. The body of Christ is interstellar. It's not even a global organization. Planet heaven's got the body of Christ in it. Planet earth's got the body of Christ in it. The vast majority of our daily interaction and experience with the body of Christ is in the sheepfold that God assigns us to. So I'm going to relate this I know that we're all one body, all the Baptists, all the, you know, if we're, if we're believers in Jesus, we're all brothers and sisters, right? Amen. And thank God for that. But we are a body of Christ here. 
Now, in this body, I cannot say of Brother Kevin, I have no need of you. And Brother Joe cannot say of another member, like Brother Rex, that we don't need Brother Rex. Amen. For those that are truly assigned by the Lord to this house. I can't say, I don't need Deacon Philip. And Deacon Philip can't say, I don't need me. Now, what does this say? So many people in local churches, I'm going to be sweet, dismiss themselves from the prayer effort in the church. They excuse themselves. They dismiss themselves. For whatever reason. They are saying about their own member, I'm not necessary. The body can get along in this area just fine without me. We cannot say that. You can't think that and be scriptural. Amen. And if that's like saying, that's like me saying, it doesn't matter whether my ear shows up or not. That's like saying, I have no need of my pinky toe. No, you start coming for my pinky toe, it's going to get real important to me real fast. That's part of my body. I'm keeping it. Now, I'm thankful in my temple, no surgeon's taking anything. I've got everything God gave me. I've got an extra rib in there if you need a spare. I have 13 and most people have 12, you know, whatever. I have an extra. And so... Uh, you know, but if God gave it to me from birth, I've got it. I got my spleen, I got my appendix. Come on, I've, I've got my gallbladder, and I'm going to keep it all. Thank you. I don't know what it's all for, but God gave it to me, and I, and no member of the body can say. Now, uh, parts of the human body can stay alive, right? But when five people in this section start saying. They have no need of me. And you got 10 and 20 and, you know, pretty quick, the body looks like it's missing vital parts. And there, we may not discern it because these are spiritual things, but the body suffers. The body suffers. And if one member of our body suffers, amen, and no one, because no one brought a, prayer, a supply of prayer to that particular need, we're all going to suffer. Right? I can't, you cannot say, no matter how much the devil wants to work on your mind, or how much you are looking for an excuse to not have to. From the biblical point of view, you cannot say that your part is not necessary to the overall health and function of the body. When one of us has a victory, we all, get, we all have a victory. When one of us is suffering, all of, right? Amen. You get my point on that? Go to Galatians chapter 6, just real quick. Y'all all right? I got to hurry. Oh, I have so much to say. I can't get it all in tonight. Galatians chapter 6, verse number 1 and 2. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, you which are spiritual, restore such a one. He didn't say criticize such a one. Did it? He didn't say, chew them up and spit them out. Haul them in front of the deacon board. Thank God we don't have one of those. We have deacons, but we don't have that kind of deacon board. If we have someone in the body overtaken with a fault, those which are spiritual are to restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, being humble, right? Considering yourself... Lest you also be tempted. You know, when you criticize the fault of another man, you triggered a spiritual law, you will be tested in that area. Yeah. 
You know how I know that? Because I got on the wrong side of that with God. Yeah, I had to get myself turned around. Look at verse 2. Bear ye one another's burdens. This is, a, this is every Christian's responsibility. And the more spiritual we become, the more we grow in our walk with God, the more He expects us to carry the burden of those who have not yet come up to our level yet. So much of the time, we who are spiritually strong view the struggle of the new ones in the church or people that we know. And somehow, like we forgot that we didn't trip over the same thing. Like we didn't deal with the same sin. And a lot of people especially in these days, are coming out of horrific situations that you don't know anything about. But you're spiritual. I'm spiritual. If you would just be like me, you wouldn't... Well, I didn't get... I'm not where I need to be now, but I didn't attain what I've attained overnight. I was mentoring a, a minister this week, spent a couple hours with him, and, and uh, he doesn't know what I know. And, uh, and I, I looked him in the eye and I said, because I could tell it, and I said, don't you ever feel bad or, is, or inadequate because you don't know these things. Right. Yeah. I was you sitting in that chair with another person teaching me this. The only difference is it's, it happened 20 years ago. Right. You don't know what you don't know. Right. You can't know if you're not taught. It's not his fault. I said, when... In your past, did you ever have an opportunity to learn these things and you turned it down? He said, never. I've never, I've never until you came along, Pastor Chris, I've never had the opportunity to see what you're showing me here tonight. I said, well, it's not your fault then. Don't sit there while I'm teaching this to you and feel less than. I said, just be glad you got the opportunity. I said, because I'm not looking down on you. I'm here to help you. And we just need to remember, because in this revival, God is going to fill this place, and they're probably not going to look like us at first. They're not going to think like us at first. Right? They're going to have struggles. I mean, they're going to have, they're coming out of places, and, you know, praise God. You know, I know I have a dressed up conservative look, and that's me, and I like it, and I I believe I want to do my best for God to honor God, but somebody's, you know, whatever doesn't bother me. I've not walked your road. Yeah. I'm not judging you. <laughs> Amen. 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 I will never forget where God found me. Yeah. Drunk yeah. and suicidal yeah. at a frat party. Yeah. It's not like He found me in the choir at church, you know. No, that's not where He found me. I'm just saying, we should, we should, we're, I'm thankful for the spiritual skill that I've attained and the maturity that God has helped me and others to develop, but we should take that and when we see the faults in others, part of bearing one another's burdens is coming alongside them in the Spirit and praying for them. So Brother Deacon Philip had talked to me about maybe doing a, some getting some guys together to pray and, and praise God and but I'm going to assign whatever young men we see coming, trying to come out and come up. That's who I'm going to have you guys pray for. Amen. I'd love to start a, a women's view. We got young guys. You know, when you when you're coming out of the world, and you may be born again, thank God for that. But man, you got cords and strings and pulls and habits and thoughts and and it, it could be Satan's going to make a big bid to pull them back into the world. Amen. Look at Galatians chapter 4, verse, I think it's verse, where is that verse? I have it here in my notes. Are we getting somewhere? Praise God. Woo! Hallelujah. Galatians 4, verse 19. Paul says to the Galatians, My little children, of whom I travail in birth. Now notice he's doing it again. You want to know why he's doing it again? Because those Galatian Christians, they had made progress 
And then because of wrong teaching that someone introduced them to, they went backwards. And Paul didn't say, oh, you guys are good for nothing Christians, I'm moving on. That's not what he said. He said, I'm going to travail. That's a prayer word. I'm going to travail in birth again. And notice what he says, until Christ be formed in you. This word formed in the, is the Greek word morpho. And it means an internal change of character that produces an outward change of conduct. Right? So we see that baby Christian, they are born again, they are alive unto God. But their mind has not been renewed. And their flesh is out of control. And their friends are wrong. And their, you know, their, everything in their movie collection is not going to help them. And, right? You know what I mean? And uh, what Paul is saying here is that there is a role I can play, Paul says, as a man of God, to pray on your behalf. And God is going to use that prayer to morpho, to transform you on the inside so that what's in you, the new birth, show, begins to show up in your conduct. You're right with God inside, but you struggle with the flesh, right? You struggle with old habits. You struggle with different things. And Paul said, I'm going to pray you into spiritual maturity. And I'm not pointing any fingers at you. I wonder how many young younglings, young sheep we've lost. Because I and we didn't do what we should have done. Father, forgive us. And that is instead of criticism, what's wrong with them? Where are they at? You know. But pick, pick that up as a mantle and say, I'm going to pray for them. There's no room for criticizing someone who doesn't make it as a Christian. When we had an opportunity to pray for them and bear that burden with them in the Spirit, and we didn't do it. Yeah. No doubt somebody did that for you. It's the only way we got here. It's the only way we got here. I went off a few months after that, a few years after that experience, begun to date her, and then I... I, I let my college buddies get back in my ear, and I started letting talking to me again. But come back with us. Come on, life of the party. Come on, come on, come on. That girl, you know, she's a, she's a what is it? Party killer, you know, joy killer. Come on, you, yeah, yeah, you're not the same guy. La la la. I know I was a better guy, but I just went off and went back into the world for about eight months. But see, every day for those eight months, she prayed for me. You have to ask yourselves, we wonder, we probably don't want to know, how many ministers never became ministers? How many ministers were lost because the whole body said, I'm not needed. My prayers don't matter. I'm too busy. I got other stuff going. You know that got James, the, uh, the brother of John, the, thons, the sons of thunder, James and John, Peter, James and John, that James. The lack of prayer supply to him and his ministry got him killed in the book of Acts. That's how serious this is. Amen. The Bible says that King Herod took James and thrust him through with the sword. And then he saw that, ooh, there's a big population in my city like that. So I'm going to get Peter next. You can read about this in Acts chapter 12. And so he arrested Peter, but because of a religious holiday, that's the only thing that saved Peter's life, was the timing. He arrested Peter, and he was going to wait for this Passover to pass, and he was going to thrust Peter through with the sword. But the killing of James awakened the church. And it says, if you read it, it says that continual... And constant prayer was made for Peter by the church. You know what happened? You remember what happened? Go read it tonight. Acts chapter 12 is a great story. An angel shows up in prison. Now, Peter, he's, he's fast asleep, man. He's got faith. He's not worried. In fact, the angel shows up and that's, his presence didn't wake Peter up. I mean, he's, a deep, he's deep in REM sleep or something. 
And the angel has to slap him. Wake up, man. And Peter, you know, you're so groggy. He thinks he's having a vision. The angel says, put your coat on. Put your sandals on. We're out of here. And the angel went up and he had the force. He says that gate opened of its own accord. Angels can do that. He walked up to that locked gate and went, mm, and that thing went, mm. and they went through several gates. And, and this is what you got to know about angels. They have a job, they have an assignment, and that's it. The moment Peter's free, it says immediately the angel left him. The angel didn't say, are you hungry? Let's go get coffee. Now, how come an angel shows up and delivers this man of God from certain death in a very supernatural way while James is killed and made a martyr? No prayer was made for James. Prayer was made for Peter. Peter is delivered. Everything that came after in Peter's ministry came because that church prayed. This is what I mean. How many ministers have we lost? Because we just don't think prayer's a bigger deal than Xbox or whatever. Come on. I don't know, 20 marine lives all walked away from a helicopter crash. We didn't spend 20 minutes in prayer over that. Is 20 minutes of prayer, was that worth coming to church on Wednesday night? Was that worth gathering together in a sanctuary a little bit early? To yield ourselves to God so that God could find somebody available to bring that kind of supply in prayer that He could... See, prayer, our prayer is God's permission. Religion doesn't understand this. Religion tells us God is God and if He wants to do something, He will. The Bible and practical experience tells us that's not true. Why is, if, if prayer isn't necessary because God's God, He can just do it whenever He gets ready, why all the instruction in the Bible on prayer? Let's, if God is God and He's so sovereign, it's just up to Him, we're all robots. If God sees fit to heal us, protect us, deliver us, send an angel, not send an angel, save us from the sword, not save us from the sword, pay our bills, not pay our bills, why pray? The Bible says in Psalms 115, verse 16, I believe, it says, the heaven, and yes, the heavens of the heavens is the Lord's. But the earth, He has given to the children of men. God gave the earth to man. Man's in charge. Our prayer is God's permission. Our prayer. We are men on the earth. We are His people. So if God's going to have an entrance into the earth, He must have man's invitation. And our prayer is His invitation. And our failure to pray puts God on the sideline. Yes. You're right. Amen. Let me say this. Our failure to pray effectively, biblically, accurately, and in faith keeps God on the sidelines. A lot of people are praying, but they're just begging. Pleading. Hoping. Wishing. The Lord reminded me today, laying across my bed, He said, remind him about the story about Brother Hagin, when I appeared to him in 1957. And they were in a prayer meeting at church. They had actually had a service, but they ended the service by everybody come and let's pray. And they, he said they prayed for quite a while. See, prayer. Brother Hagin had spent some time, uh, he was in his 30s then, and married and had kids, and spent some time praying on his knees. He got uncomfortable, so he said, uh, I sat down on the steps of the platform. And began to pray, and I began to just sing in other tongues with my eyes wide open. And two or three minutes of doing that, about three feet in front of me, all of a sudden I see Jesus standing there. Now just stop, pause. I just wonder if that had happened had they not been praying. Well, let's just dismiss the service. It's 8-12, we all got to go. No, but they prayed. 
And Jesus stands about three feet in front of him and says, I have come to answer your prayer. It's on page 83 in the book, I Believe in Visions. And that's the title of that chapter, I've Come to Answer Your Prayer. It's just real short. It's one of the shortest chapters in there. And uh, the Lord quickened me to remind you of this. And what Brother Hagin had been praying about was his wife. He, was, he had been praying for his wife. His wife had a goiter that had gotten quite large so much so that she was <coughs> choking for air. I've never known what a goiter was. I finally looked it up today. You could probably tell me, Nurse Elizabeth, it's a, it's a swollen or an enlarged thyroid gland. And it can be very serious. Well, Brother Hagen says in here that he had a witness from the time they got married. They got married very young. You know, I think he was 18. He said, from the time I got married, I knew in here that my wife would die at an early age. I, I just knew it. And uh, she knew it too. But they never talked about it. Doesn't mean that was God's plan. But you know, when you're born again, you have the Holy Ghost in there. He knows natural course of events, what could take place out here. Well, now from 18, he's known this. Now she's got this gorder. They've considered surgery, and he knew. He didn't talk to her about it. He didn't want to bring it up. He knew if she has this surgery, she'll die. Talking to her later, she said, I knew I'd die on that. I'd die. Just knew it by the Spirit. I'd die if I had that surgery. So they were just putting it off. But it was getting bigger and bigger. So he had been praying. Listen to his prayer. Let me see if I can find it real quick. Y'all okay? I, I'm, we're not going to keep you unduly here. Glory to God. Uh, here it is. He said, I prayed to the Lord one night about this. And I said, Lord, I've obeyed you. And I've done your will. I have left my church and my family, and I've been out here in the evangelistic field for many years. My wife has stayed home, and she's been faithful to raise our children. I'm still a young man, he said at the time I was in my 30s. And we've been married for many years. This is his prayer. Please let me keep my wife. <laughs> Hearing him talk about this on a tape, he went on and said, uh, you know, I had her trained. And I'm a young man, if, I get, if she goes, I'm going to get remarried again because I'm a young man and I, I don't want to have to train another one. <laughs> I just thought that was cute. And, uh, and so that was his prayer. Now, sometime later, they're in this prayer moment. They're praying and he sees Jesus. He says, I've come to answer your prayer. He said, I knew immediately what he's talking about. And uh, the Lord said to me, she will live and not die. Tell your wife to be operated on, for she will live and not die. I have heard your prayer. Now, then she, he said, Jesus said, Now, according to the natural course of events, without divine intervention, she would die. But I have heard your prayer. And I have come to answer your prayer, she shall live. Then Brother Hagin says, Then after that, Jesus said something to me that absolutely melted me. I've never been able to forget it. It blessed and helped me then, and it helps me today. Jesus said, I did this, son, just because you asked me. Come on, that doesn't break your heart? Your wife's going to live where under the ordinary course of things, she would have died. And I'm doing this for you and her just because you asked me. Now, think, technically, this is a believer praying for another believer. Is he not bearing her burden in prayer? Then Jesus went on and said, I did this just because you asked me. You don't know how I long to do for my children if they would only ask me and believe me. See, it's not about... A lot of people ask, but they don't believe. They don't believe. That's why we're talking about faith on Sunday mornings. Many times they beg and cry and pray, but they don't believe. 
And I cannot answer their prayers unless they have faith because I cannot violate my word. But how often I long to help them if they would only let me. By taking me at my word and bringing me their problems, trusting me to undertake for them. Again, he said, 1957, tell your wife to be operated on for she will live and not die. With those words, he disappeared. Even though the doctors were greatly concerned about my wife's condition, Aretha and I had great joy through it all because we knew the outcome in advance. Isn't that sweet? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's close tonight in Philippians again. Philippians chapter 1. This time verse 19. We'll say something here and we'll, we'll let you go. Hallelujah. Is there anything stirring in you to be more interested in praying? I hope so. <clears throat> Philippians 1.19 Now Paul is writing this letter to the Philippians in prison. I've seen historical photos about what a prison cell in Philippi might have looked like. It's not certain, but it might have been a cell similar to. And in a lot of them, the sewage systems were so bad, the water run off, that in high rains and high water times, the sewage would back up in these very small cells, and there were stains on the picture you could see where the sewage would back up. And I could just imagine the great Apostle Paul with sewage up to his waist with his parchment and pen saying, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I could say rejoice. You have to understand the setting Paul is in. He has no... It's not like you have lawyer and bill of rights. He doesn't know if he's going to die tomorrow. In the natural. Listen to what he says, Philippians 1.19. Philippians 1.19. And the Amplified is outstanding. Uh, but anyway, it says in the King James 4, I know. Come on. Don't you love faith? Paul says, for I know this shall turn. This shall turn. How does he know that? This shall turn. What's he counted on? This shall turn for my salvation. This word is the Greek word soteria, just like getting saved. But it also means your well-being, your deliverance, your safety, your rescue. Right? And that's the way he means it here. This is going to turn for my salvation through... Notice he didn't say through my prayer. This is the great Apostle Paul. But he's not... His deliverance... He's not banking on his deliverance on his prayer. Some situations... This is spiritual. Some situations require more prayer than just the one man. You know, there's a call on my life. There's a call on my family. And I'm not, I'm not making myself to anything. We're all joined together if we're divinely connected. But I have a call on my life. And I'm not, I'm, I'm not dear. Pastor Nancy ministered to me. He said this. She said this. By the Spirit, this place you've been in, I think it's more spiritually than geographically. This place you've been in, it's been a place of training, but you're going somewhere. God's got... But I, I, I am aware. I won't get there. I won't, I, if I spent all day and nothing else except brush my teeth and put some food in me, all I did was pray, I won't get there. I'll only get there through your prayer. And the prayer of others. And if I don't have it, I won't get there. Amen. You know, you want me praying for you. I need you praying for me. Bearing one another. You know, this whole relationship we're in, it's not just about me bearing your burden as your pastor. Just shocking to me how, in just different situations, how quick people are just throw you away. You just throw you away. Over something. Over what? Over something dumb. Right? And I just, you know, I understand a lot of people have help. You know, the devil works on them, whatever. But come on, if we're, we're fitly joined together, I need you. We're hooked together in the Spirit. I need you, you need me. We're in this thing together. 
And, and Paul, he had this same dynamic at work in his life, in his ministry. And he says, for I know, I know that you shall, this shall turn for my safety, my deliverance through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. Now, the Amplified says you're bountiful, something about bountiful supply. Yeah, Amplified of verse 19. Through your prayer, now I studied this today in the Greek, that you, you, the and makes you want to think, at least me in the English, maybe we separate these, through your prayer and something else, through the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. No, 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 no. In the Greek, it's through your prayer and the resulting right. yes. supply of the Spirit. Yes. Right. It's the prayer, their prayers, that produced the supply of the Spirit that was going to result in his deliverance, just like Peter. Because the church prayed, they brought a supply of the Spirit. And through that supply of the Spirit, because they prayed, Peter was delivered. Notice Peter's deliverance took more than Peter's prayer. You had to know he's praying. But it took more. It took the body of Christ. You cannot say, they have no need of me. Praise God. And, uh, but so the Amplified says, through the bountiful supply. And I looked that word up, and that's what it means. It doesn't mean some supplies have to be bountiful. And this is what I want to close with. The word bountiful reminds me of the spiritual law of sowing and reaping. In 2 Corinthians, you know, that's the only chapter faith ever reads, is 2 Corinthians chapter 9. No, I'm just kidding you. She gets a lot of revelation out of that. But remember, Paul said about giving and receiving, he said, if you sow sparingly, you'll reap sparingly. If you sow bountifully, you'll reap bountifully. When it comes to the supply of the Spirit, I believe the law of sowing and reaping applies. If you and I sow sparingly in prayer, we will reap sparingly in life. No one's going to not have to pay the price for their not praying. Wow. That's good. See, in a sense, it's a seed you sow. If you want people in the critical hour to be responsive to the Spirit to pray for you, you better be willing in the critical hour to be responsive to the Spirit to pray for somebody else. If we sow sparingly in the prayer life, we will reap sparingly in life. If we sow bountifully in the prayer life, we will reap bountifully in life. Amen? Amen. So I, want to, I just wanted to take a step further. Tonight as we go, God told me a more organized, well-orchestrated prayer program where we are moving people, and he said, I'll help you. Well, I had this, I've been praying about this, and one of the things that came up, just quick, and I'm going to let you go, ushers, be ready to help me, is the primary thing he said we need to pray more about is the plan of God. The plan of God for this place is to experience an end-time move of God's Spirit, to help do our part to reap this last-day harvest of souls, to raise up disciples in the army of the Lord in these last days, right? And it's going to require a bountiful supply of prayer. Not a, not a sparing supply, a bountiful supply. What I've done is I just had Brett create this little prayer card. It's a prayer commitment card. And I'm starting us off easy peasy. What I'm asking you, if you're willing, is that you would just commit to pray 30 days, 15 minutes in the Holy Ghost for the... Uh, for the plan of God, for the church and the people. Amen. And I even give you the English words to start. Yeah. <laughs> it goes like this. Father, I take this 15 minutes and I yield myself to the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, give me utterance and help me to pray and to bring a supply of prayer to my church, my pastors, the people, and to the assignment you have given us in Jesus' name. And then just take off and pray in other tongues. You can do that in the shower. You can do that in the car. Come on, you can feed the cat. You don't have to drive up here. 
But there are 30 boxes. And when you do a day, you're faithful. Come on, honor system. You do a day, you check off day one. And when you get all 30 in, you, you bring it in, turn it, and that's going to let me know, I got somebody with me. I thought about giving you a gift certificate to the bookstore, but I thought, I'm not going to incent, I'm not going to give, no, 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 no. I'm not going to start that mess about giving TVs away to get you to do what you ought to want to do. We do it for Jesus' sake, for the kingdom's sake, not for free coffee. Right? Who in here wants one of these? All right, ushers, come on, let's get them to them. Glory to God. Come on, 15 minutes? I didn't ask you for five hours. Come on. Glory to God. Amen. And listen, there's no shame in keeping your hand down. I'm, Jesus, he, you know, He just said more people praying. If we get more people praying, come on. Then we're, we're, we're moving toward obedience to what He said. Amen. We need some, yeah, they're coming. Just exercise that deltoid muscle on the shoulder. Keep that hand up there. Praise God. Thank you, Brett. Looks like you want to keep your job. <laughs> Brett says, I'll take two. <laughs> That's funny. Oh, praise God. You know, I'm just so excited about who God has surrounded me with. I, I love the people I run with. I love you guys. Okay, all right. I'll just walk by faith on that. Yeah, thank you, Elizabeth. And I'm excited about our future. I'm excited about what God's going to do. I'm excited about what God has for us. Amen. God's done a lot, but we're still in the starting gate here. And I appreciate you doing this. Now listen, here's what you do. You're, you do one, two, day three, check, 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 and you got busy and you forgot on day four. It's not day four, it's the fourth time. No condo bondo. Whenever you get the fourth 15 minutes done, check that off. Hallelujah. Amen. Well, if you got your card, you got everything, praise God, go ahead and stand to your feet. We'll get ready to be dismissed. Glory to God. Amen. If you're out there online, you want one of these, come to church. <laughs> We've got plenty. Amen. Father, we uh, close tonight.